This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Crazy where I am, man. It's uh, dark outside. There's so much ash from the fires in California. Uh, middle of the day in the morning, it's dark. Uh, the pool is just covered in ash. The cars look like it's been snowing. Um, my niece had to evacuate her house, um, got her a hotel. It's uh, pretty um, pretty wild uh, and crazy. Right now, I guess the, the surface area is larger than San Francisco, this fire that's right by. I mean, it's all throughout California. So, yeah, it's crazy. You know, Portugal is just like California because it's like the westernmost, the contiguous continent of Eurasia. You know, California is that for the U.S., and the latitudes overlap a lot. And there's a lot of fires in central and mostly central Portugal. And we've been looking at properties, and we just won't look in the fire areas because it's just not worth. They're cheap. There's, like, amazing places that are dirt cheap because everyone's scared of the fires and they want to sell it. But it's like you can get an incredible spread, but you could sink all this money into it and make an amazing house and property and then it gets wiped out and you have to evacuate and it's dangerous. So it's, uh, yeah. It's like thing. buying, buying land, you know, close to it, like an ocean could event, you know, erode it or whatever. Um, that's, yeah, that's the same, same type of risk there. And, um, just when you think life can't get any crazier, um, there's, there's suddenly, suddenly all this, I'm really hoping that does not get any closer to me. It would have to cross a major uh, freeway, but, but man, I don't know. It's close and it's, it's scary. It was 130 degrees in death Valley, on Sunday, the hottest ever recorded temperature. So yeah, it's, it's hot. And, um, sadly, man, it got so hot. My, my dog died over the weekend too. No uh, way, man. Your new dog? No. no. Okay. So not my new dog. Oh, ah, Jesus. You had me for a second. I was like, that's Sorry. horrible. I have, I have a 12 year old boxer. I've actually had a, a boxer for the last 25 years of my life. Went from one named Rocky to another named Tyson. Yes. Of course, named after the right. boxers. Um, and uh, he was 12, and we knew he was getting toward the end. That's why we, we made the move to get the puppy. He was an outdoor dog, um, but still nevertheless sad, you know, 12 years old. Right. And, um, Sorry, and, you know, I, dog, I, I, but I thought yeah, you were talking about the new puppy. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, that would have been that would have been brutal. But uh, my my <laughs> no, my my wife is on no sleep. But that puppy uh, remains and very uh, ferocious as ever. But um, the uh, yeah, and I normally the last the main long pets I've had maybe I've had like my my parents help put her to sleep or whatever. We actually discovered Tyson, so that was a, a first thing. It's like on the weekend when all the pet services were closed and it was super hot. So that was rough rough times over the last week. Uh, Liz, I hope you've uh, hope you've had a better last few days than, than us. Yeah, I definitely have, not to like rub it in. I'm sorry about your dog, but uh, yeah, I've had a couple of good days. I mean, you know, 
as far as it goes for me. You know, I'm, it's not really about anything. It's all internal. It's all mental. You know, your life pretty much, unless something horrible happens. We were actually looking at a property in Portugal, and I might have blown it because it wasn't very expensive. But you know, you always offer a little less than the the asking price. And the broker was this jolly guy, this chubby jolly guy. He's very friendly. I kind of liked him. And he's like, yeah, just offer a couple thousand less. You know, they'll take it. This one woman offered 7,000 less, and he rejected it. And so Heather was going to be like, let's just offer that. And I'm like, yeah, it's just it's the seller's broker telling us what to pay. It's like it's cheap properties. It's not like that big of a deal. But I was sort of like, let's just offer a little, you know, weird, though, thousand right? less than he said. Like, let's just save a thousand bucks. I mean, you know, it's not that much money. But I was like, a thousand bucks is a thousand bucks. Like, just, you know. If he gets it for three thousand less than he was asking, then that's probably what he expected. And now I don't know. She has to tell me because she, she's putting Sasha to bed. But she said like he emailed back and he was like, "Oh, I don't know if he'll take that." So I don't know what's going on. And you know, maybe Portugal is different. But in the U.S., like you don't you don't lose a property over a thousand bucks. But I was like, just save a thousand, offer less. Don't just take the guy's word for it. But maybe no, here less. here it's different. But it's a nice yeah. property. It's big. It's like I want to say it's about six acres or something like that and it's uh you know pretty flat and there's all these fruit trees tons of fig trees and peach trees and stuff but it's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere the central port central part of portugal but it's not in the farm i've been eating a ton i've been eating a ton of figs and peaches at the local farmer's market lately i know that's a lot of sugar you will say but those are delicious and um what you would move in immediately would there be no no how that would be yeah well there's so there's like a house there that needs you know it's totally in ruins and there's like a ruin literally like a hundred something year old ruin which is like stones and you can build on both, or you need a permit for the second one, but you know you can build on both, and you know combined you can make two a guest house, a nice house, and a giant property. There's all these trees. It's dirt cheap. I mean, it costs money to put in all the work, but you can get a loan for that. And you know you build like your compound there, and we still rent in Portugal. But if shit hits the fan, you know, and somehow you know rudder wire goes under or the economy crashes, um, we could like just give up our rental here and just live there. But the plan would be to. Just use it as sort of a weekend, and and you're saying this is house. not a fire area. No, it's not. But I mean, everything's a little bit of a fire area. Like you never know. But no. it's it's not as dense, and it's not a little bit further north is where the fires are typically. I, and I haven't even complained yet about the rolling blackouts, which I've luckily avoided so far. But this could cut out my power any minute here, also in California. So that that's been a whole nother uh, issue. That it, it's politics. Um, but uh, where do you want to start, man? Uh, lots going on in the world. Uh, so. Floor is yours, Liz. Yeah, I took some notes, actually. So uh, just a couple of ideas. I'll just go through these. There's just one couple of guys, and I wish I had the name of this guy, Jeff Vandrew or something like that. I follow this guy. I don't know if he's the guy who originated this, but there's this idea of the overproduction of elites, meaning we're churning out too many Ivy League. You're not even Ivy League, but just you know, PhDs, master's degrees, Ivy League people, people from you know, good state schools. There's just people who are educated, too many elites. And the problem is that they can't get paid for all their studies, for doing all the stuff they've done. They can't get paid for all their education level. And in fact, a lot of them have a lot of debt. And the college is really screwing them. I mean, you pay you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you have debt, and you know, what job can you get? Some of them are just doing jobs like Starbucks because that's what's available. Some of them are teaching, doesn't pay very much. Um, a couple of them are in academia, doesn't pay much, and it's a horrible grind and very competitive. And 
So you have all these like very educated elites and they've put in the time and they've gotten into debt and they're not getting rewarded for it. How do they justify themselves? And this guy's theory is, I don't know if it's, I think it is him because he was tweeting about it, but he might not have originated, is they, they become morally superior. They know the right things to say, the right codes, the right, you know, and they're morally superior to the working man, to the average rube who doesn't have all the elite education that they have. And even though like the plumber and the uh, construction worker and those guys make way more money than a lot of these elites because those jobs pay, like especially like plumber, electrician, those are good jobs. Like you make a lot if you're like, you know, a good Definitely. plumber, electrician. And yeah. so you have this thing where, well, how do I, you know, I've gotten to all this school. How do I, what do I how do I get some status here? Cause I'm not getting the money, which confers some status. So By being I'm smug? Smug, yeah, like thinking? superior. You know, it's, 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 it's the same thing with like those guys <laughs> with all the stats, right? They, they, they're like, well, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get into a big fight about this, but the CPOE, like they know all this, like you don't know that, like they get, they're superior, but, but they're also, they're superior uh, because they're, you know, they're not, they don't, they're not rubes who are insensitive to all these different oppressed groups. They, all these things that they have, they make rules for speech and for pronouns that you're allowed to use and all of these things. And his theory, again, it's a theory, is that this, this is coming to a head because it's getting like more intense because there's, we have too many elites and they, and they have to figure out some way in which to sort of look down on the people that don't know the, the protocol in, uh, in sophisticated society and you know, polite society, so to speak. First of all, it's funny that you mentioned the CPOE. It's perfect because I actually just had uh, Ben Baldwin from The Athletic on the pod, Yahoo podcast a couple hours ago, recorded it. And uh, I'm sad to report he basically uh, uh, gave a lot of the system credit to the stat and uh, even praised John Gruden at one point. Um, so uh, definitely shat on the Brady point of my argument a little bit, actually. But there is some talk about uh, Devontae Adams being a, an extra good separator above expectations. So it's not all good on your side. But um, if you're into advanced stats and very nerdy acronym talk, you can check out uh, Ben Bogdan. Check, check that out. If he's validating what I'm saying, then absolutely check it out. Our <laughs> cuts are incredibly revealing. He knows exactly what he's talking about. But anyway, so coming to a head, uh, which means what? What does that mean? Which just means like there's just more. I mean, all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, there's just more stuff you could get busted for. You could step in it more ways by saying the ignorant, insensitive thing, right? There's, you know, there's obvious things that you shouldn't say that you everybody knows not to say. But now it's becoming way more like layer upon layer of this stuff, you know, where it's like, oh well. I didn't realize saying this is offense. You know, I, I talked about school being kid storage and that was, I stepped in it. Oh, I thought, you know, well, I'm just a rube that, you know, thinks of school as kid storage. I didn't know that well, far be it for me B. to know Susan the, the, the protocol. Anthony, Susan B. Anthony was pardoned and canceled in the same day. Sorry. It is, that, that's, that just happened too. Uh, yes. Right. Well, I, I didn't know about that, but I'm just saying that it's becoming like the, the, you know, the woke rules and the protocols and the political correctness has gotten to a point where it's like, Dude, come on. Like, I can't even keep up with this stuff. But yeah, Trump pardoned Susan B. Anthony and the other side, of course, predictably found some stuff to make it not good. You know, they dug up dirt. I don't even know the story of that. I don't even know what that is. But, but anyway, this is a theory. And this guy expounds and he says, you know, colleges are, are a terrible deal. Like you're getting this degree and you're in huge debt and you know some like social science stuff and some critical theory studies or whatever. And you can't get a job that pays as much as the plumber or the electrician who went to trade school. And so they've got to, you know, so it's like, well, people are just going to quit that stuff. That's a terrible deal. 
But he said, no, they've got you captive for four years, so they basically propagandize you with all of these views, and it's sort of like they're encouraging you to believe that you're superior because you have the right views. And so those that superiority in your mind will be like, oh, I, I'm rewarded because I'm superior now. I don't like any paid, but I have debt, but you know, I'm, I'm superior. I'm morally superior. Nietzsche talked about this, that like you could take solace in morality when you're, when you're weak, when you've been defeated, you say, but I'm a better person than this guy. It's just a theory. I see, I feel like I see it happening. I feel like there's an overproduction of people who have like this belief system in some facility with language and, and, and analysis, but it's, they don't have wisdom or direction or satisfying lives. And so there's just this, they're like, making a ton of rules for everybody and it's and they're being encouraged to do so because it's the basis with you know without them then people be why am i becoming an elite why do i want to get this education you know why don't i just do something useful a guy who's an electrician trust me i'm not messing with the electricity in my house if a guy does a good job i'm happy to pay that guy money to uh set it up properly or Anyway, just a thought. Any any thoughts on well, that? Well, I never I never thought of why it was happening, but I absolutely agree, and it does appear to be having that, that those people exist, and I know exactly what you're saying, and I I guess it makes sense as to as to the how we got here. I don't know where we go from here, but um, but sure, it does make sense, and and you can it is all about a mindset, and I can absolutely believe getting that mindset where you do believe you're you know you are sitting in a superior spot even if you're financially way below someone or whatever and i'm not even necessarily that's wrong but the smugness and the moral superiority obviously is a, is probably not healthy yeah and making all these trip wires from when to trip over so that you can be like ah you said this you know the cancel right. culture i think a lot of it comes from that the sense of that and i think that we we yeah, produce them yeah. because college was such a big business it was this racket and now that they they have to keep the business going and they've got to Make this up. Where do we go from here? I mean, I think people, hey, look, if you can get a great education and you especially if you can get a scholarship or you can get a good deal on it or you're going into something that specifically needs that education, um, not like, you know, comparative studies on X, Y, and Z. I don't know how useful that is, but if you going into like a science degree or you want to invent something or you want to create something, it, there's, there's not that room for that many like critical theory of whatever studies there's not a need for that many of them you know being a plumber is useful being an electrician is useful being a cook starting a restaurant opening a business is useful so maybe we people should be doing that more instead of going to debt maybe the college is overrated and you can learn a lot of this stuff online and so maybe that's the solution but we you know before we get there we've got too many of these we're cranking out too many of these people and it's it's and they're not it's not serving them either you know they're not happy. right right totally right 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 they're beha- yes so exactly right the happy people aren't joining twitter mobs to destroy some exactly. small account that, was, that said the wrong yes. thing and then to try to get his employer and that's not happy people happy don't do that people aren't concerned about other people's pains so, yeah. i mean in the wrong in the causing other people pain like that yeah, yeah. they're not they're not going to kick some guy when he's down you know because he you know even if he said something legitimately insensitive you know, it's one thing, you know, if the president does it, go ahead and destroy him or a powerful senator, somebody that, you know, like that. But I'm talking about like some schmo with 200 followers and he steps in it and they're all, you know, sticking the knife in his back a hundred times to make an example. Yeah. That's, those aren't happy people. It's not, that's not where they, that's not where you end up in life if you've, if you're doing I, something satisfying. I will say the cancel culture, though, the point I was trying to make, you could look deeper into that afterward, but is that just if one side said, you know, praises the other, the other side, just, it, now it's just well, becoming so, 
so politicizing one way or the well, other. Well, how about too. Snowden? This, I mean, this is so. Yeah. Trump says, you know, Snowden treat him fairly, and he's going to look into pardoning him. And Stone's a hero. I mean, I think Stone's one of the great American heroes, like one of the top five of all time. You know, one of the people who really risked everything to serve people over the horrible surveillance state that was, they'd they'd call you a a tinfoil hat. They'd be like, if I was like, dude, the government's spying on all your stuff. If I said that 10 years ago, people would be like, dude, take your tinfoil hat off. They're not spying on you. You think they're spying on you? Please, you're so paranoid. Now, Snowden proved that they were actually spying on you individually. They're collecting all of your data. You, you listening, they are collecting your data. Now, they may not be specifically investigating you right this moment, but they are sweeping up everything that you do and where you search and who you talk to and all the metadata of where you go. They could access it in, in, a, in a second. And, you know, he, he risked everything to, to expose that, and he's a hero and you have people like Liz Cheney, whose father is a war criminal, you know, who's like one of the architects of the half a million people dead in Iraq and all sorts of corruption. And this guy, you know, she, the daughter, is calling Snowden a traitor, and Susan Rice is calling Snowden a traitor, just because, I mean, they also think he's a traitor because Obama, the administration, and the CIA was really pissed that he exposed them for what they were actually doing. But, but also now that Trump is talking about it, you know, someone like Liz Cheney feels bold enough to be like, he's a traitor. It's like, please, your father is a scumbag war criminal. I saw your tweet and I appreciate it. And it's an even greater example that I was trying to tell you for sure. Michael Krieger, Krieger, sorry, he, uh, your guy, he tweeted, if he does indeed pardon Snowden, the election's over. What do you think of that about that? Well, I, I don't know if it's over because they're going to drum up as much as they can against him, but... I mean, there's a this would help them greatly, though, as well. Do you, well. do you agree with that? Yes, I do, because I think the Bernie left that got totally jobbed, and like, there's a, there's a funny Onion thing saying, you know, because AOC's barely given any, like, run at the, DN, at the convention, and, you know, like, Bloomberg gets, like, a speaking, Bill Clinton is speaking, but, like, AOC, who's, like, the left, isn't getting any run, or, like, a barely. And the Onion said, AOC to get more run now that she is officially supporting the Iraq war. Yeah, no. <laughs> You know, I don't know if people are just so easily manipulated, but I think there's some lefties, Bernie lefties, that just hate Trump and will vote for Biden because of that. But if those lefties who don't trust the establishment see Trump pardon Snowden, who's a hero to many on the left and the right, I mean, it's where the, you know, the, the center hates him because the center believes in the CIA, but the left and the right, you know, the, the libertarians don't like government spying and the left doesn't like government spying and it's always in service of the powerful against the powerless stone's a pretty big hero yeah i hope he does it no obvious yeah i hope he does it too i don't care what president does it i hope obama did it i hope trump does it snowden is a hero i think there's you know five or six that i know of like ultimate american heroes that risked everything for people and he's one of them you know it's not that many yeah for sure no um what what else let's so that, that's a big, it's just a crazy thing that, uh, that because he's doing it, all these people are coming out. He's a traitor. No, I know. It's inevitable, though. I mean, it's not surprising in the least. No, but, it's but, yeah. not. Let's, before I get to the more trivial stuff, uh, there's the Kevin Kleinsmith uh, guilty plea. There's a felon now uh, from the Mueller team. He pleaded guilty because he changed an email to make it look like something else than what was said to help, I think, get, get surveillance on Carter Page. And he just cooked, you know, cooked the books, basically. He just made it so that the judge would give him the surveillance and had to plead guilty. 
And as far as I know, this is a couple days ago that you know that the story came out. Um, he must might have pled guilty today, but that he was going to that he was indicted. Rachel Maddow, those networks every day during the RussiaGate, there was like a new breaking story about oh he's cooked now. Like here's the evidence that came out. Adam Schiff has the goods, you know, and whoever had the goods. Here it is. Here's the here's the here's the here's the end. And now an actual indictment of the the guys who were pushing that to the media comes out and it's crickets. I don't think most people know that one of the Mueller team guys, not just indicted, he pled guilty. He's, he's convicted. It's not an indictment. It's a conviction. He's a felon now. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like a, it's, it should be major news. It's like basically attempting a coup or whatever. And it's just not even really, it's just a, a blip. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this dude was part of an illegal operation. And for three years, it was like Trump was working with the Russian government. Not only did, in the Mueller report find nothing. A guy in the report falsified information to get right. some of the you know predicate to spy on these guys and, and try to get them to turn and talk. I mean, this is really dirty, right? I mean, you hate Trump, no problem. Vote him out next time. You yeah. know, make your case why he's such a shitty president. Get the votes. Don't nominate brain dead Biden and Kamala Harris. You know, get some real candidates. But whatever, if you can go with who you want, it's your party, and then beat him at the ballot. Like that's how you win. You don't cook some crazy scheme up and lie about it and feed it to your media friends. And of course they're not reporting on it because it's so embarrassing, right? It's so embarrassing that they just can't do it. It's incredible, but it's, it's truly like, I know I'm pretty much preaching to the choir of anyone who listens to this podcast, but it's like, if there was any doubt that that arm of the media wasn't, was a serious, was, was doing journalism, this pretty much seals it. Yeah, same when Trump uh, secured the historic deal, it seemed like the uh, the press uh, treated that differently last week too. But uh, it's just the way we, we live, the world we live in now, and it's only getting more and more divided. So I, I mean, I don't know what to say other than just getting frustrated every week. But um, do you have, did you have any further thoughts on the Democratic convention? Uh, I didn't really, I didn't watch any of it. Uh, it was just just the fact that like people like Bill Clinton are involved in it. Like, how can that dude with all the Epstein stuff? How can that guy still be allowed in? I, I don't. What what kind of I mean, it's, it's so dumb, I didn't want to get into it. It's like they nominated Biden and Kamala Harris. I mean, there's nothing you can say beyond that. It's like, this is what they are. It's not like, but it's just so crazy that, how is that dude allowed anywhere near anything? Well, yeah, are they going to let him uh, Biden speak more? You know, it's, it's been pretty much controlled environment for the most part. No, I'm but, talking about uh, Bill Clinton, though, is speaking right oh, now. Oh, sorry, I'll be like, yeah. There's a, there's a new uh, photo out. Uh, sorry, Biden, by the way, said he had five grandkids the other day, and he has seven. Right. Um, I know they're all slip-ups, but when there's a million in a row, it does become uh, something at some point. But, um, sorry, Clinton, yeah, the photo came out, too, just conveniently this week, right? You, you saw that, right, getting yeah. the massage at the airport? Yeah, I mean, that was almost the most benign story about him because the woman said she, he was a gentleman and she just gave him a massage. It's a bit weird to be like getting a massage on the Epstein plane from some 21-year-old, but she said, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, come on, there's just so much. That guy's been on the plane like dozens of times. He's stayed at the ranch with his wife a couple of times. I mean, at what point do you say, dude, you just, you just can't be here anymore. I'm sorry. You know, we're, we're the Believe Women Party. We're the party that is supposed to be protecting... Uh, People uh, who were you know, historically mistreated and oppressed. I'm sorry, you just can't. You can't be part of this. 
But a part of the behind the scenes uh, Biden team is is filled with a lot of the Clintons and of Obama, course. right? Of course, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's like I'm, I'm complaining about this, but like, look, it's Biden, Kamala Harris. I mean, it's like the whole yeah. thing is such a farce. Like, I mean, it's why am I? It's like the same thing with the Maddow thing. It's like we'd be like, oh my god, she didn't even mention that, that one of the guys that she'd been touting for three years is indicted for you know, he pled guilty. It wasn't like he pled not guilty and he, <laughs> right. he admitted that he did that. Right. He falsified right. this email. Like he admitted he did it. But yeah, we complain about it, but it's like, yeah, that's who they are. I mean, this is the, the thing. So, okay. So that's fine. Uh, one thing I was going to say about the Liz Cheney, like actually like shitting on Snowden and trying to say he's a traitor. I was like, that's a psyop. That's almost an experiment. If you're going to get Liz Cheney out there, that's like, how far can we take it? She's critiquing Snowden, like the daughter of like the evil mastermind who killed like 500,000 people is critiquing the guy who exposed the nefarious dealings with the CIA to the Americans at great risk to himself. Yeah. It's like a psyop. It's like, that's taking it to like, how far, how stupid are these people? Like how manipulable are you? If you're going to like side with her, be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, that's like, okay, that's, they're just experimenting there. It's not a serious thing. And then the other thing about politics is Alan Sislaski's question, which I totally spaced. Um, he, he was asking, what do you say to people? And you've asked me this before who say a vote for a third party or a non-vote is a vote for Trump. Yep, exactly. I've asked that before, but personally, I, I've also circled back and I've said that it's, and I, I actually, I don't know, at this point I find that even like almost insulting that I asked you that, but go ahead and, and right. answer. Like, like the question is so ridiculous. Like it's so obvious why you would not vote uh, for Biden Harris. But that you'd uh, have to defend yourself to, to even, yeah, yeah. But, so, but I asked you the same thing, so don't get me wrong. I mean, okay. I, I asked you the same thing very so, recently, and I, and I know plenty of people who, who have that view. So I'm going to give, I, I saw something on, just randomly uh, on Twitter today. This guy, it's Eddie Marine One. He's Joe Bi- his Twitter handle is Joe Biden Gives You the Finger. And he has a picture. I don't know if it's his picture, but he tweets it out. It says, hit the phones, Lib. Every minute you spend not making calls for Biden is a minute you spend making calls for Trump. If you're not making a call for Biden at this moment, then you're making a call for Trump. That's the same logic. It's like if you're not doing this, then you're doing that. No, like I'm not making a call for Trump. I'm not, you know, I'm not voting for Trump if I don't vote for if I don't vote for Biden. It's a ridiculous logic. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. Um, but but the more like that's just a funny Twitter thing. And they're and they're just honestly they're I don't know they're 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 they have as whatever they each have their faults and they're each so disingenuous. But it's just like the Democrats are like so smug about it and the whole team good and we're superior. It's just it, it, it's frankly it rubs me more the wrong way. I mean than than, than you know the TDS uh, Trump derangement syndrome on the other side. I don't know, man. It's it's uh, it's it's frustrating for sure. But um, I. I yeah, is that that's your response then? Basically, is is, is would be pointing to that is, is well, that, that's no, right. that's kind of a joke response. But I have okay, a more, right, serious, let's hear, let's I have hear a more serious response. Yeah. But I agree right. with you. I, I feel like there's a lot of Trumpers that I don't agree with, but they're not like you're you're a bad person because you're not voting for Trump. Like they never say that to me, and I feel like okay, like I don't agree with you, but you are not annoying me in the same way. So it's like that is not the way to persuade someone you want to do something is to be trying to be morally superior to them. And I don't buy that you're morally superior to me because you have the, you know, you, you've been overproduced, you're an overproduced elite. You have the right views. You have the correct views on things. And I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't subscribe to, you know, I went on that, I don't subscribe to your point of view on that. 
So it's like, you, not only are you not going to convince me, you're, you're, just like you said, like you're pushing me the other direction. I'm losing respect for you. I, I'm losing respect for everything you're standing for. You're, you're making it worse. But the real, the real reason, and you know, just to clear, you, know, you don't want to just do the opposite of what some asshole's telling you to do. That's not a good reason. The real reason, I'll give you two. So from the utilitarian point of view, which I don't agree with, even at the utilitarian terms, like what's the best thing to do? So people say, well, it's the lesser of two evils. That's fine. You don't like them, but put your personal preferences aside. This is going to help somebody. Say you're in a swing state. Your vote might matter. And you say, well, even if that's true, and I don't necessarily agree that that's true, but say it were, in the short term, then it would help them. But what about the long term? If you're always going to vote for Hillary and Biden and all these shit candidates they put, they're going to keep giving you shit candidates because they know you'll vote for them. They have no incentive, the corporations mm-hmm. that fund these candidates have no incentive to concede and give you somebody that's actually going to help people, that's actually going to care about your interests and individuals' interests. They're always going to be owned by the big money and interests that are their clients. And if you just say, ah, you got to vote for Biden, it's Trump, you got to do it, then you're basically telling them you're in the bag so they don't can ignore you. They're only going to go after people's vote that might vote el- elsewhere. If you're not willing to walk out of the car dealership you're not going to get a good price on the car. If you're not willing to walk out of the in voting booth without voting for their guy, then you'll never get a person they want. You're going to get worse and worse candidates. And of course, Hillary, Biden, these are the worst. There's better candidates, and they didn't put those up because they know you're going to vote for them. So you're basically making a huge strategic error in the long term. You're going to get terrible choices. But no, if anything, it's, in, it's incentive not to reward them with the vote. Yeah, don't reward them, and then maybe you'll get a worse short-term person, but in the longer term, they'll be like, wow, we lost all the votes of these kind of people. We got to get somebody who's going to like get them to vote for us. They're going to actually put someone up there who might get you to vote for them. So you'll yeah. get a better candidate, a candidate that more serves your preferences. But why would they serve your preference if you're going to vote anyway? They're, of course they're not. <laughs> well, they don't give a shit. They're going to get you know, what their clients want. You know, they're, they're funded by their clients. They want to please the clients. The problem is you. You need to go along with it. But if you go along with it no matter what, because orange man bad, then you're easy. Then they just totally appease the clients, which is what they do. That's why it's Biden and Harris. That's why there's zero people who are actually progressive, if, if that's your politics. Right. Okay. So, but the second reason, and that's just utilitarianism failing on its own terms. Long term, it's a bad game theory play. But also, I'm not really utilitarian. I'm more of a Kantian. I mean, I'm not any one thing, but... You know, his thing is act only on that maxim you would will to be a universal law. So only vote for the person you think everybody should vote for. It doesn't matter what they're going to do. It's not my job to predict the future, this fake future-predicting utilitarian math. People were sure that Trump couldn't win. If you like Trump and you were a Republican, they'd be like, I don't for him. He can't win. You know, vote for Jeb Bush or whoever. That's what they would have told you. He can't win. There's no way. But instead of doing utilitarian math and thinking you could predict the future and you know everything... Just have principles and standards. Just say, no, I'm not going to vote for somebody who voted for the Iraq war. That's just a, a non-starter. You nominate somebody who voted for the Iraq war, I'm not voting for them. And you think everybody should do that. Therefore, nobody who ever voted for the Iraq war would ever get elected. Therefore, people probably wouldn't vote for wars in the future because that would be the end of them in politics. Do the thing you think everybody should do. So that's obviously not voting for their candidate that is an Iraq war person and Kamala Harris put all those people in jail for minor offenses. Poor people didn't put Steve Mnuchin in jail. So from a Kantian perspective and even utilitarian perspective on its own terms, the lesser of two evils fails. And they don't know what the lesser of two evil is. I mean, you're predicting the future. You don't know. You really don't know. So 
have standards, have principles, stick to them, and let the chips fall. You can't control other people. And maybe I'm naive, but I, or I, I'm positive I am, but I just don't get why it has to be the party and not the person. Um, and I get that the, the president actually has no power and all that, but I don't know why it the president have a has lot of power. If the president has no power, then why are all these people up in arms about— Then why are we? Yeah, yeah. that's And, and secondly, you know, like— Well, maybe we shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the president has power certainly over foreign policy, and not getting into wars is a huge thing that I would care about. And someone who voted for the Iraq war to me is, is dangerous. It's just too dangerous. No, no no doubt. Um, all right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. If you, uh, if you followed what's going on in, um, in Portland, man, it's uh, Scott, just a totally scary video recently, a guy getting kicked sitting on the ground and it's, uh, it's brutal. And then I saw some other um, footage of a guy driving in the middle of Manhattan for like two and a half minutes. And they're just boarded up talking about the news, not reporting stuff. There's just stretches uh, of New York. Just every single store is boarded up. So I, I don't know what this means, but it's certainly not getting reported. And it, I, the future cannot be normal. I'll tell you that. Right. We don't have news anymore. We have propaganda. So it's like there's no reporting about New York, Portland, when France had the yellow vests everywhere, protesting everywhere. You never saw that. If there were like Hong Kong stuff going on, you'd see that. You'd see certain countries protest. You wouldn't see protests that are protesting neoliberalism, globalism. Um, so yeah, it's not, you know, stock markets at all time high, but everything's boarded up and cities are having some problems. Although I have a friend who lives in Portland and He's not in that downtown small area where that's going on, and he's like, he don't, he wouldn't even know if he didn't see it on TV. Hmm, interesting. Um, not going to talk too much BTC. There's some resistance at this bull run here, but um, it, it's uh, interesting how that continues to get more and more in the mainstream. Uh, I heard a great quote what, uh, from a guy. I read something on Twitter, a really great quote. He said, "You know, most of the BTC is not available for less than a hundred thousand, and some of them even less than a million." In other yeah. words, all the hardcore hodlers. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, so, like, it, there's a little bit of BTC. There's traders of it. You know, people who are buying and selling all the time. So if you want to get 10 BTC, you can get it for the going rate. But if you want to get 100,000 BTC, you can fill up the first X of that. But, you know, when there's lots of hedge funds and countries and Warren Buffett types, not that he hates it, but those people yeah. coming in and they want to get it in bulk – yeah, the marginal stuff at the edge is 10,000, 12,000 or 11,7 or whatever it is now. But how much how much is it for the hardcore hodlers? 150, 200 million. They're not going to sell. So when people go in that price is going to go fast. This is just you can only buy up like the little, you know, available pieces of it. It's going to go fast and the more it goes up, the more the the price of the hodlers capitulating and giving theirs up is going to go up. Right, and Buffett, by the way, just went big time in on gold, and they and I've read that they he, people, even if he's unaware, his uh, his uh, assets will go in on on Bitcoin soon, probably. Uh, but yeah, then the Wink, the Winklevi twins uh, did a video with Dave Portnoy, who's now bragging that he's already made a hundred grand off it. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, is it hodler, not hodler? Huh? That's uh, I was uh, pronouncing it I wrong could be in wrong. my head. I could be wrong. Okay. I, I think it's hodl, but it could be hodl, okay. hodler. So, uh, okay, you know, it's a like typo, hold. right? So that they, right, right, but like holds, so, so hold. That's why yeah, I thought you could be right. It could be. It could be. Hodler. Either right, way, I'm, a, I'm I'm attempting to be one, but it totally read that same thing you're saying, and it's kind of made sense to me exactly because I kind of yeah, that is how people are treating them. But um, also, you know, sometimes when these things look too good to be true, they they don't turn out that way. But um, it is very interesting for those paying attention in this sector. The difference is, and I read another investment guy. He's like, 
the stuff you, you own, you should really have done the work, not because it gives you a crystal ball, but because it gives you the conviction to hold when times are rough, when it's not going your way. Whereas if you just like took a stock tip and then it goes down, you're going to panic and dump it because you don't have conviction. Right. If you have conviction in something, you can sit through the, the tough times. And I think there's a lot of people with a lot of conviction. And that's the thing. Like it can go down, but like they're not dumping, you know, so it's going to be very interesting. All right. You got anything else? Because I got some lighter topics. No, not much at all. No, just a couple of sports things. So let's go with the lighter topics. Go for it. So I've been trying to learn Python. I've, I've spent like 10 bucks on this like video course and stuff. It's so boring. I just can't take it. I got videos. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to learn. I think it's important. I want to teach it to Sasha. I just cannot get through it. And then if I'm, I'm like trying to do the exercise he's saying, and like, it's like, give me an error message. And it takes me like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, I didn't have a space between these two things. Oh, there was a bracket, an extra bracket. There's like the tiniest thing. And it doesn't run. It's like you got to be perfect. And you just spend so much time being like, wait, I don't get this. And then you figure it out. And you're like, ah, oh, it's because I didn't have a space here. I didn't indent there. Man, it's boring. And I really want to learn it, but I'm just so lazy because I just always end up on Twitter and I just stop. I just can't focus. So what are the benefits of knowing this? I mean, so many things are built there. You know, I, I've been like, okay, how do I get nfbc data to flow through my spreadsheet and get our rotowire projections right. to yeah. feed in how do i scrape that and like all these things are like you can do stuff you could like build all the stuff and make the coolest spreadsheet that have real-time data flowing through them and just who knows what you could do but it's just an important skill no for sure yeah and i'm so dumb at that as rely on others as talking to cpoe about it as well but yeah that's um yeah okay so if you if you learn that let me know how it goes and what, what uh benefits yeah but yeah so far it's, it's going slow huh it's going slow because I can't focus. I can't. The videos are so boring. And I'm like, I try to, I guess I'm too like, I should just get some of the notes and just play around with it. But it's just, I just can't get the enthusiasm up for it. That's, that's the issue. Other thing. So I love Szechuan Chinese food more than like anything. Like I, I feel like I love good Mexican and I love Thai food. I love sushi and Vietnamese food. But good Szechuan Chinese is like maybe number one for me. And I've always been like, if somebody opened a healthy Szechuan restaurant, like not like, you know, using good oils and, and like organic stuff, it would be like the greatest. I would eat there like four times a week. Like I, I would just live there. So I'm going to learn to do that shit. Because if, if we get this land, if I didn't blow it in the middle of nowhere, there's no like restaurant, there's Portuguese food there. But like, I'm going to be cooking and stuff. Why am I not cooking incredible Chinese food for myself and my family? I don't know why you're not, but I actually ordered some Szechuan sauce uh, like two months ago from this place that the New York Times advertised, and apparently everyone saw the saw the the blurb and was in, and it's been back ordered. So, and I got an email like today, I, I think yesterday or this morning, saying that it's finally shipped. So, uh, it's supposed to be like like peppers, like legit authentic. So, uh, I'll let you know how that goes. But I'm with you. I've been with you in Las Vegas, and you've demanded off the menu uh, orders, and we, even after you getting it, you're like. Man, no respect. This is not hot enough. You know, they thought it couldn't well, take it's, it. So, yeah, uh, it's not spicy sure. enough sometimes, but the, some of these places in like, you know, in um, San Gabriel Valley in L.A., it's like the best. Oh, place. yeah. I've been there with you. That's the best. That's, oh, yes. The, was so, it Monterey Park area? Yeah, area? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. We were the only people who spoke English in there. And that, to make it worse, I, of course, asked for silverware. But um, so legit. It doesn't get any more legit than that in, in the United States. Yeah, and it's like... Why shouldn't if I can't make that? There is a Szechuan place in Lisbon that's pretty good. It's not as good as those LA ones, but it's it's legit. Like it scratches the itch. 
but it's not like great. And of course, it's like shitty ingredients. I, you know, the seed oils are tough. You can use, I guess you got to make this chili oil to cook like the fish in. And I think you need, you know, they usually use some kind of shitty vegetable oil because it's got less flavor and you uh, submerge it with the chilies. You infuse it with chilies and other herbs. And I, I was looking up what herbs those are. I was like, I can get those. Maybe I can even grow those. Uh, but they say you can use a light olive oil. It doesn't have that much, a strong flavor maybe. So if I use olive oil, but with infuse it with all the spices to make my chili oil, cook with that, and then get like high quality fish and meat. I mean, Portugal, there's, I don't think there's any factory farms really. So all the meat is like pretty good. You know, I just have to find Chinese vegetables, which there's a Chinatown here. It's pretty big and there's, you know, oh, you can nice. buy all that stuff. I'll let you know the sauce is, if it's legit or not, if it ever uh, arrives. And I forgot the other place we went to, and it was not Chinatown in San Francisco, but we took that trolley to Sam yeah. Tung and those chicken wings. And we, again, we're the only people in there speaking English, and you wrote your names down on that board and waited, even missed uh, a finals game. But that was very, very good Chinese food as well. But all right, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. You're trying to teach yourself to, uh, to, to cook better. Um, much easier. That's much easier for me than like Python, like just absorbing that kind right. of thing. Some people, right. it's way easier for them to learn Python. Well, we'll see. It's not like I've done it than to cook, you know, Szechuan food. But for me, other things, I've been taking surfing lessons. I tell you that before. You know, I think I wrote a note listening to you talk about on XM, but but failed to bring it up on this podcast as possible. So I'm glad you you reminded me. How, how's that going? I went twice. I'm too much of a coward to get into the really big waves. So I'm going like in the small waves, like in between, and like. But I, you know, I get some. I get paddling. I catch the wave. I've stood up a couple times. It's you know, I'm going pretty slow, and it's pretty close to the shore by the time I'm like riding it in. But it's cool because Sasha's going and like her friend didn't want to go and then she didn't want to go for a friend. And so I said, okay, I'll go with you. So I put on the wetsuit to get out there. It's, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. You start off being like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And this instructor's a cool guy. Um, he gives you some tips, but he doesn't like get two in your grill. He lets you practice. And uh, first you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You're like, I can do it. I'm just going to put my mind to this. And then you're in there and you're like flailing around. When you catch the wave, you wipe out. And you're like, okay, I suck at this. You're like, I can't do this. I'm just a fraud. Like, I, I don't know. This is, I'm not serious about this. And you're like, all right, well, I'm here. I'm just going to keep doing this. So you do it for like another half hour. And then you're like, all right, it's not that bad. I'm just doing it. And then after like half an hour, you catch a wave. You luckily just get it right and stand up and ride it. And you're like, I get this a little bit. Oh, I want to catch another wave. And then in the last half hour, you're like looking for waves, like trying to catch one. And it's actually fun. And it was the same thing both times because I, I, I waited two weeks in between. But I think if I get like about another pack of lessons, if I get like three more lessons, hopefully I'll get like a legit, you know, a legit ride in. I've gotten some rides, but it's pretty, it's pretty baby stuff. Like I'll be standing up on that the has floor. To re- that has to require patience, I'm sure, to learn Well, especially that. at 49, you know, it's like uh, my ankle's fucked up. It's like, you know, springing up to my feet sometimes. It's like... It, it doesn't go as fast as I'd want, and then I slip, and a board comes out from under me, and I wipe out. But it's good, man. It's like I think it's good for you at you know any any age as an adult to learn new stuff that you just don't know how to do, and that you're inept at, and you feel like defeated, like I suck at this, is impossible. And then like working through that to like, oh, okay, I'm getting a little bit of this. For sure, I, I boogie boarded uh, back in the day in Maui once. Never done surfing. I'm jealous. That sounds like fun and uh, definitely like a definitely like something like a life something I'd like to learn at one point. You say you're 49. You know when you're something crazy. My my brother turns 60 next week, and I'm 38 years old. Same parents turning yeah. 60 next week. So um, thought that's pretty crazy. Um, Want to talk some sports real quick? Uh, what what do you think of the uh, the Packers? Is what I wanted to ask you about. 
basically coming out and saying, we are telling you absolutely nothing. Uh, we, we, we've told our beat reporters they cannot even report who's getting the first, second, or third, or fourth team reps. I mean, this is insane in a world that gambling is coming, becoming increasingly popular, right? I just, so funny, we just talked about it in XM, that, yeah, I mean, that's who's going to crack down, right? It's the FanDuel's and DraftKings are going to be like, oh, no, 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 this is not acceptable. Because what's going to happen is some sharp, somebody's going to bet a giant amount on a team where a key quarterback is actually getting scratched, but nobody knows. And then all these people are going to see the line move and like bet the other side and lose all their money. And then it's going to turn out the quarterback scratched. And then someone will dig in and say, oh, a whale bet this huge amount on the other side. So obviously had inside information. And then everybody's going to want their money back and be pissed. And that's the last thing those companies want. Those companies want smooth. They want no, they don't like drama. When that, that, that cheating scandal last year where that guy and his wife or girlfriend entered in more lineups than you were allowed, that is yeah. not good for those companies. They do not want any part of that. So they're going to, you know, they make a lot of money for the NFL and they probably have deals. So, like, they're probably going to be the ones who are like, no, you guys got to release this. But what douchebag, I mean, that's just stupid. Like, that policy is, is not realizing who's, who's buttering your bread. Like, fantasy is got to be 40 30 percent 50 percent of the nfl's revenue gambling and fantasy and to not give information that you the people who pay the bills want that's just short-sighted it, yeah that's absolutely crazy hopefully not the sign of, of more teams adopting that because that would not be fun well there, there are um, other teams it's not just them but yeah i mean the packers and they're supposedly a publicly owned team too what a right, right what a right stupid what a stupid thing yeah, horrible um I just w- uh, wanted to frame the Michael Thomas thing, listening to you talk more and more about him. You don't even need to respond. But um, uh, I want to frame it this way. He, he's going to end up being on like very few last place or bottom three finishing teams. But I bet you if you looked back, he would be, he'll, he's going to be on very few winning teams at the end of the year. I, I know I can't tell you which running back to get. But I guess that's a better way of how I would frame that to you. Regardless of also, I think Devontae Adams is a receiver to get just because, you know, you're buying absolute highest with Thomas is still just got the nine TDs, but that was how I would frame it. I bet you Michael Thomas does not end up on a ton of winning ultimate teams. Okay. Well, I'll give you some data. This is a little different because it's best ball, but I actually have the numbers. That's right. You just did a column recently, right? So last year McCaffrey was by far the key guy, which everybody knows, right? So he was on, if you had McCaffrey, that's all you did was you got the second pick and you took McCaffrey. You had a 37% chance to win your best ball out of 12 teams. You have eight and a half percent or eight and a quarter percent. Just by that pick, you know, you get pick two, take McCaffrey, you're already at 36, no matter, on average. I mean, yeah, if you want to point out how the village idiot can win your fantasy football league and not baseball, that's just exhibit one. Number two, if you got him, you had a two-thirds, 66.4% chance to be top three. Just period, one player. So McCaffrey was, the average finish of his team was 3.22, which is by far the highest. Number two, Eckler last year, full PPR, he was 88 ADP. And McCaffrey was doing this despite being the second ADP. I mean, he's very expensive. Eckler was cheap for what he did. 4.20 is his 23% won with Eckler. Third was Lamar Jackson, right? He was ADP 132, broke all the records for quarterback totally scoring. Totally makes sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was, you had a 21% chance to win if you took. So McCaffrey's like out on an island. And then, you know, second was Eckler 23. Third was Lamar Jackson 21. Michael Thomas was fourth um, in the average finish. But I'll give you this. He was 4.71 average finish, but 15.8% chance to win. Okay, so a big drop off from Jackson. Moreover, DJ Tark was fifth, and he was an 18%. So that 15, to your point, is that Michael Thomas made you a casher 
the fourth most, now the fifth most after Chark. Right. But he made you a winner like around the tenth or eighth most. So a bunch of those guys had slightly And did higher. he cost the fifth ADP last year either? I don't believe tenth so. Tenth ADP, though. He was expensive. Okay. Uh, still first. Yeah, it's still high. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. But you're right. Interesting. You're right. I mean, I mean, look, you have an 8% chance to win. If you got Michael Thomas at 10, you had a 16% chance to win. You doubled your chance to win. He was a very good pick. Yeah. Okay. No, no doubt. Yeah, he was a very, very good pick. Some of the other ones are Waller and Mark Andrews. But remember, these are best ball where you can't sub. So it's a little different. Like the reason why these tight ends like Waller and Andrews are so huge, how many times have you drafted a best ball and you have zero tight ends oh, by the end zero. of the year yeah. and you're like, oh, I can't win because I'm getting a zero at tight end? The survivor bias where like whoever survives a tight end is going to be incredibly valued, who's good. A cheap tight end that ends up being top five and of course stays healthy is going to be incredibly valuable. And it's the same reason why running backs are valuable in best balls because they survive. If they survive, they're super valuable. More receivers survive, more quarterbacks survive, therefore it's harder for them to be super valuable. Right. I just thought that was a, a, a different way of framing the opportunity cost it would, it would take of getting a receiver there. But yeah, I mean, you just draft one of those the, the, the McCaffrey. It's all that matters. Um, right. Crazy. So like, you know, you do the, the salary cap drafts and it's, it's, it's not even fair this year. I mean, it's, the prices are just going to be, it, I guess what I, what I mean is it's unfair to do drafts. Basically, if that, if that would be the case moving forward, drafts would just simply be unfair if this were the landscape moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the third round reversal helps a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I even think Barkley's unfair. I mean, I, I think that like the first two picks are so valuable this year. You know, even the first four are really good. But let's go back to my team where I took Thomas because I got to talk about this dude. So, Michael Thomas, obviously, news has been neutral. Like, he's fine. Tyreek Hill, uh, good news, whatever. Beckham left practice a couple minutes early today. I don't think it's anything, but so I got Thomas Hill Beckham. Then I got Mark Andrews in the fourth. He's supposed to get more looks this year. McLaurin, the news has been great on, fifth. Then I get DeAndre Swift. Karen Johnson's still banged up. DeAndre Swift is their pass catcher. I got Ronald Jones in the sixth. That guy's, like, going to be maybe a three-down back for a good offense. Yeah, I'm down, you know, me and the Brady thing. But even I, I actually bumped Jones up to, like, 20th or something on my board. It feels like he's going to be absolutely their guy. Right. And then Howard, who's the starter, is eighth. So, and then Gronk, the news is good on Gronk. I got him in the ninth. And I got Wentz is fine. Hines in the 10th is fine. Anthony Miller in the 12th. He's got good news. Ayuk, you know, now that uh, you know, Debo's not going to be back for week one, Ayuk is looking good in camp. AJ Dillon in the 14th. AJ Dillon, I love Jarek McKinnon. Higher than the 14th, yeah. Jarek sure. McKinnon in the 15th. I mean, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Every single guy that I drafted is like unavailable at that spot except for you know michael thomas pretty much yeah and i heard you uh talking about my gordon i would flip those at this point i'd take james connor ahead of of melvin gordon but i think the latest reports that he's going to be okay but i didn't love how that that one fell to me but i'm still okay with that team i I do like that how how certain you are that your team's uh dominant but it does look good since then for sure we'll see because i was very skeptical of the zero rb and even mark andrews could easily finish as like the number one tight end and you have McClure. and Swift drives me crazy. I really like him. I have him top twenty. Right. So yeah, absolutely Swift and Jones. I mean, like whatever Jordan Howard and PPR and, and Gronk could be a bust, but still, the, the, I agree with you. Even Ayuk and AJ Dillon, absolutely. I mean, he could be right there with a right on par with Tony Pollard and even my Latavius Murray, who I'm after a lot. You know, right there with huge upside. What if he takes over that Packer backfield? You know, I mean, it's sick. I mean, I'm gonna have Thomas Hill, Beckham, and McLaurin at the three receiver flex with Andrews. 
And I just need to get Swift, Jones, Dylan, McKinnon, you know, two of those guys. And I got depth. It's just a ridiculous team. Now, maybe they'll still lose because, you know, I don't have a running back that has the McCaffrey upside, the Barkley upside. I mean, as good as Swift can, well, Swift maybe, but Jones, Howard, they don't have that much. Up, I mean, Jones has some upside. I was talking to Jeff, like, we're basically just, you pick a back. It's not like the name of the guy. It's just, you know, dude gets the ball, dude gets the ball over the line, dude catches the ball. That's it. And if Jones is their guy, what's the difference? It's just Jones. What's interesting, Ronald Jones and Josh Jacobs. They're just dudes getting the ball. Like, what's the difference? Why is one going, you know, tw- I, and I like Josh Jacobs. He worked really, really hard all offseason. Like, I buy into some of that stuff. Like, he did. He, like, tried to improve as a player a ton. And it looks like they're all the coaches are treating it like he's a slam dunk, the guy. And, um, I mean, Brady even referred to him as Ron. That should have been our first clue um, when his first interview joining. But, it, I, yes, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm you know, down on Brady. But, geez, if he's even – even if – Brady, whatever, he declines some and he's um, okay. Look at those other weapons on that team. And if he's the main guy, exactly. It's, it's all about volume and he looks like that. So I, I moved him to literally 20th. And, and 20th overall yes, or 20th so, among backs? 20th among backs, but I'm but still, still that's heavily high. overall. So, I mean, I'll, whatever, I, that, that would equal. That's like 25th or something for you or something crazy, 28th. Yeah, yeah, but yes, right, exactly, right, super high. So um, I have uh, him at uh, 28th. But I should probably move him up over Ingram. I actually, I got to move Hunt down. I moved him up temporarily when Nick Chubb left with the neck injury. Yeah. But yeah. now I, I should move him right yeah. back down. It was like for that minute, I was like, okay, I got to do this uh, just in case. And people don't. Yeah, know. no, I, I would rather Ronald Jones than um, all these, uh, the, the flat tires of your guy, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette. I mean, I would no, no, have no problem taking him over those. And then you're just, I feel like it's an equal coin flip with the David Montgomery's, right. you know, the, whatever the rookies, Cam Akers, Dobbins right there. You know, there you go. It's a, it's a coin flip for Ronald I'm Jones. Move him up. I agree with that. That's right. I mean, I'd probably take him ahead of him. I just have already a couple of shares. Yeah, no, and I hate I hate to praise you with that, but yeah, and then Miles Sanders going down sucks. And man, I, I it's going to be, but by the time the draft uh, season's over, I'm going to have taken Jonathan Taylor in round in round one in one of these leagues. Man, I just <laughs> Probably. I cannot be so. <laughs> I have him 11th right now. Oh man, I just love this guy. But you don't have to do that in, in drafts. I just uh, I got him in round three um, still, in and in I did a recent another RotoWire online. I've been six weeks, so I had the itch. And uh, but uh, man, um, he's a uh, he's a uh, he's yeah, he's going to go crazy. Yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, we had the Rotowire Stake League. It used to be in uh, auction last night. And I think you would like my team. I've got, I realized I just saw, I, I got some of the same guys you got as receivers. So I went 55, 55 on CEH. Uh, nice. It was the first guy out of the shoe. And I thought I was going to get him for cheap, but Jeff was bidding on him too. So it was annoying. Get bidding him up. So I got him for 55. And then I got Barkley for 68, two picks later. So I got you know, most of my budgets on those two guys. And then I got, you know, I got Tucker for three and some defensive guys. But then I just like price enforced on Jonathan Taylor real quick because everyone's like one, two. And I always bid like 35 and everybody just to like just speed this along, right? Like, you know, I went 37 on Jonathan Taylor and it was like ticking down and Seagrass went to 38 and bailed me out. But I was like, if I got him, I mean, I'd be fine, but I would have had like 40, 50 bucks left for the rest of my team with like three guys. So I was like, uh oh, I got to be careful. And then I basically ended up with Melvin Gordon for 23, which I loved. So I've got Bar- – it's a 14-team league also, half PPR. Barkley, Edward Solaire, Melvin Gordon, running backs and flex. And I got Gronk, Danny Dimes, good IDPs. But then my receivers, I had like 40 bucks for all of them. 
So I got, I ended up getting CD Lamb, who's got some buzz going, Deontay Johnson, both of whom you have, and then Anthony Miller. So those are my three starting receivers. So it's a 14 team league. You think I'm going to be an eater or a buyer? Yeah, you'll be a buyer. I love that team. I mean, those a buyer. Two, sorry, eater, eater, eater. Sorry, there you go. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on CD Lamb. I pretty much have him everywhere. Maybe I'm. I don't know. Uh, I often I've, I've got you know him and Gallup a couple times. In this recent one, I got CD Lamb, Gallup, and Blake Jarwin. So as soon as Cooper, who just got paid and was in right. Gimpy all last year, come on. So when he goes down that offense, that's going to be ridiculous uh but yes uh, i like it ceh um so in on and barkley yeah you just can't do that obviously in a draft so yeah i um i like it um i missed stakely good times back in the day uh for sure uh obviously you don't yeah what are people planning on actually trying to attempt to still do that in person these days i wonder well it'll be six months from now so we'll, we'll see how things oh, are who's trying to project six six months from now that uh, is, is a fool's errand uh, nba playoffs are kind of crazy wake up 10 a.m my time watching an overtime uh, playoff basketball game pretty pretty cool and there's been some upsets um only baseball takeaway i'll i'll say other than complain losing acuna in our league and all kinds of guys going down senzel now a couple others uh we can't have mike the mouth win that league um i uh i've been uh probably really overreacting but man i've been adding blue jays in all the leagues including ours i added travis shaw grychuk was available last week even rowdy telez because i um, I felt like people weren't jumping to the possibility that that Buffalo place looks like it could be Coors Field in the AL. Have you, have you noticed that in the very small sample? Yeah, it could be. And there was some, Cardi was writing about it before the season that, you know, it's too small of a sample, but it is like insane what they'd done the few times they'd played there. So maybe I should have done that. I didn't do it. I'm, I've just been, I do my moves on Sunday. I take it seriously, but I haven't been like. It is such a chore, man. Uh, the baseball fab. I can't imagine if I did as many leagues as I did football, it'd be undoable. It couldn't, you couldn't do it with baseball. You just can't. I was like Nick Madrigal's coming back this week or next, and yeah, no one steals. else did, right? No and I was like, did. I had him in like eighty-eight, and I was like, nah, I gotta get that. Someone's gonna outbid me. I'll go, you know, ninety-five. And I kept talking myself on my bid for like one sixty-eight, and the second bid was zero. I guess he's hurt, so nobody wanted him. But our note was he's coming back in late August. I don't know if that was no. I, I I made horrible bids in, in that league with you, and I and I got Chris bomb in a, in a main event that I didn't expect. And right. then other times it's crazy. There's no rhyme or reason and it's so much work and it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a ton of work. Thankfully it's a very quick season. So yeah. I have an excuse for me to burn through all my fab, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, but baseball, man, it's still been quite volatile and pitching and just players going down with injuries like crazy now too. So, um, but, uh, you've been getting into it. You've been, you've been, how your team's doing in general. Uh, my tower seems in first place. My staff nice. league teams in like third or fourth last I checked. But my NFBC teams are not good. I think ours is my best. It's in like fifth or sixth. And then I've got another one in like seventh or eighth. And my main event is in dead last. Dead last. Because my my first pick, first of all, Bellinger in our league sucks. I took that dude with the third pick. I could have taken, you know, pretty much anybody. Yeah, what's the deal? He's just terrible. My second pick, he's starting to hit. He hit a home run today and went three or four. His Devers, who's been terrible until just today. My third pick was uh, Freeman, who actually isn't bad in that league. But, you know, I've got in the main event, I've got Stanton. Chris Bryant is like injured every day. I got Stanton, Chris Bryant. My first pick was, uh, I picked, oh, I got Lindor, who's been terrible. I got Lindor. Second pick was Devers. Third pick was, I don't know, some, oh, it was Darvish, who's been good. But then I got Stanton and Chris Bryant. Like four of my first five picks are just terrible. Kluber's out for the year. He's my second pitcher. Uh, that main event team is truly horrific. 
Yeah, my main event team, well, one of my main, main event teams up to six, but I have Acuna and Tommy fans. So yeah. that's that's not, not good stuff. So we could you know, sit here complaining all, all day, but I am happy that we are complaining about sports again. And, oh, I completely – one of the main notes I was going to bring up, um, it's possible this is why football has been secretly cocky. It's probably a combination of them also being dumb. But um, the saliva test, we, we talk about that, thoughts of that, an immediate possibility, you know, day of tests, and then other people have since poured cold water on it with the false positives, and then they, I think I've heard a counter, then just take another one. So right. I guess you just got to take, well, so what are your thoughts on this? It's a possible groundbreaker, right? Yeah, I think if you could have tests that were like, you know, throw a dollar a piece or 50 cents a piece that you could just do a ton of, be pretty easy, even with false negatives and positives, to do ten of them and just be like, okay, well, I'm X. With every successive one, you get more and more sure what it is. Four of them might give you like ninety nine point nine. You know, who knows if it's like seventy percent? You know, seven point seven to the four. I mean, seventy thirty percent to the fourth power of it being wrong is very low, right? It's like point oh. It's less than one percent. So you you get good idea. And being able to test immediately and not have a lag where you're walking around not knowing is huge, right? Just to immediately know. So I, that would be the solution to everybody. I mean, if we all had like all the time tests, you just test, you know, a couple times a day. And like the second you're positive, you know, and you, you quarantine, you know, you wouldn't be spreading it. I mean, that would be game over for the virus. Yeah, no, it really would. Like I aforementioned my niece, like she doesn't want to go with my mom because, you know, my mom is old and she's right. staying separated. So again, I mean, she has a house for, for her, but it's, you know, so um, that would be absolutely huge if she could just test her and her kids right then and there, you know, so um, that would be a total game changer. And obviously it was reported, I think like Zach Lowe in the NBA, it was, uh, uh, but um, it, either way, it, it could be helpful for sports, certainly the NFL and helpful for society too. Um, but they want to say okay. that vaccine. They don't want that stuff to go around. They want to. They, they don't want. Oh, right. if, if we solve this problem with this, then there's no need yeah. for the vaccine, and that would be. All right. Well. Oh no, uh, that horrible. Yeah, that thread. The the the, the passenger. The six. I don't know if I passed it on to you, but yeah, the, you, you know, did the, send me that. You, you and that ended me. with uh, basically the connection there. Yeah, that was a. Yeah. Anyway, check out paranoid, that. Paranoid. Uh, yeah, stuff. But I, I'm paranoid at this point. What was the other thing? I was just. Oh, Australia. Last thing. One of the, like the prime minister was trying to make vaccination mandatory for this COVID vaccine mandatory oh, I heard that, that hasn't been really vetted, you know, either. And it's just like, okay. And I wanted to tweet about that and be like, yeah, here's how you do it. You kick someone's door down if they don't want it. And then you put a gun to their head and you forcibly inject it that way. They'll comply. That's what, that's how you got to do it. Right. That's the government, yeah. what they should be doing. Anyway, yeah. that's scary stuff. But I think Australia is a little bit more authoritarian than the United States. Believe it or not, it's actually true. Well, I didn't hear that. Yeah, scary stuff for sure. All right, man. Good stuff, Liz. All right. Take it easy, Don. Talk to you next right. week. Later, man.